0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Wake up in the morning feeling like Waterman is extremely well. She's very slippery. don't own me. Okay, now the tough question. Is this a try? Yes or no? Just because I'm a woman.
1: I'm Nolly Waterman. I'm Laura Jane Jones. And this, my friends, is the Try Hard Podcast.
2: Well, we're back with some big old news, my friend.
1: Indeed. Indeed. You've been loving hammering the social media. You haven't got to 10k followers there yet, have you, on Twitter?
0: I'm like 50
2: <laughs> off. I know. I know. Brutal. I How well, ready. though, did my um, my tweet go down about the picnic in uh, the Rosebine I car know. park?
1: Yeah, although I did see someone say, can you please not take the mick out of that good tradition? So I I'm going him from him.
2: <laughs> I clearly wasn't taking the mick out of the tradition because I actually am keen as a bean to get involved with some of the West car park picnics in a fortnight's time. It was the fact that they had a casserole. Like, that's not table, a picnic chairs. dish.
1: No, they're table, chairs, they, have candles, they, have <laughs> they
2: had candles, they had cutlery... They had china plates.
1: Yeah. Knives strong. and
2: forks, bottles of wine, bottle of water from Waitrose. That was noted. Poshos. Um, but yeah, <laughs> not the fact that they had a brand new Range Rover and casserole. It was more the fact that
1: they had posh Waitrose water. <laughs> well,
2: one thing I will say is they weren't that posh because the casserole dish wasn't a Le Creuset one. It was uh, just a bog standard. So, uh, uh,
1: I things can improve on
2: feedback. for
1: them. Um... Yeah, well, pretty busy weekend, really.
2: Well, yeah, and but that we haven't, we haven't got, we haven't actually said what our big news is, mate.
1: <laughs> no, I know, but I'm just saying it was a pretty busy weekend, full stop. For the people making casseroles, for us working,
2: let's be the honest, in- like that pales into significance. People have insignificance because at the end of the day, the Six Nations is an afterthought. Now that we've announced we're going live again in Cardiff, I
1: know. But it is to review the Six Nations, so we do need lots of stories to keep happening so that we've got plenty to talk about.
2: It is indeed. We will be there the week after the tournament, the championship culminates. and March 20th. March 20th, Friday night in the walkabout in Cardiff, end of St Mary's Street. Um, i tell you what, if Wolves could talk, I probably wouldn't have a job. Um, <laughs> very much the kind of stomping ground of my late teens, early 20s.
1: A literal stomping ground. I mean, did you? What was the What was the music back then?
2: Um, like very much like cheesy dance. I found a place where Ooh. we can boogie. But like, I was
1: gonna go back to like blue and. Uh, oh god, no! Barbie I'm not, not as old as you.
2: Yeah, but you've got to remember <laughs> as well that it's like it's walkabout, so it would have been the same playlist. So it would have been things like the Baywatch theme tune. Um, uh, strong. What? Um, Oh, place your hands.
1: I mean, when I asked for the playlist, I didn't. I didn't expect like a little, little rendition of each of the songs. Any excuse, I uh, well, hey Mickey,
2: yeah, uh, hey Mickey, yeah. uh, body
1: rockers. To be fair, it was somewhere that I ventured every now and again, um, but it was we went to different places. It was like the student nights were on Wednesday, and Walkabout wasn't those. I think it was for the local girls. Well, on the Walkabout
2: was a student night on a Thursday. Oh, yeah, thanks. but I used to remember that.
1: But um, no, because unfortunately I was training, so I went. Oh, yeah. I'd go over the bridge, pay me four pounds sixty to get back. I actually, got a little bit of grief from Ed Jackson tonight because I said that looking forward to coming over to do the live pod because now I don't have to pay for the toll. He said I was being a bit stingy. I won't say exactly what the tweet said because there was a swear word. But oh, Ed, you got um, I know. Anyway, um, did you have a tag? Event? Oh, I wish. Um <laughs> And mainly because I wanted to jump the queues, but I'm—I actually am genuinely super excited, and it's brilliant that Guinness have got behind it, providing a pint of Guinness for everybody that attends and gets their early bird ticket. It's three quid three pounds
2: i know that is less than the cost of a pint and you get a pint so
1: and then it goes up to five so anyone that's interested get your tickets get involved get over the last one was actually really good fun way more fun than i thought it would be because i spend too much time with lj but there were so many people in the room and we had some great guests which we are going to be announcing aren't we yeah
2: we're gonna announce them over the next few weeks um they'll obviously be prizes and um, a little bit of try-hard stash that we'll be bringing out on the night. We're very excited. Um, but anyway. yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be an epic. I can't wait.
1: Anyway, enough about all of our waffling.
2: Um, well, I wanted to know where you were last week, because I rang you every day, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and got pied off. Where were you?
1: Berlin, mate.
2: <laughs> what were you doing there?
1: Um, so I was at the Laureus Awards. Hop oh, hobnobbing, were you? Anyone that's seen my Instagram will, or my Twitter will probably question, just like me, why I was there. Because it was the most glitzy, glamour event. Um, Honest to God, when you find yourself being asked to stand up in a room if you're a world champion by Hugh Grant, who is hosting the event, um, you sat next to the Springbok um, rugby team, but you also see the likes of Lewis Hamilton... um, Oh, who else? Jessica S. Hill, we had shelley Ann Fraser-Price. Um, Tony
2: Hawk was there, mate. I mean,
1: yeah, Tony, I mean, honestly, um, Sky, the new um, Team GB skateboarder. Oh my gosh, she's um, so cute. Yeah, so she was there. Honestly, it's it was absolutely, it was the who's who um, of the sporting world. And uh, yeah, it was, it was incredible. Um, and yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't really... I, I'm kind of speechless. Um, apart from the fact that... So my mate, Brian Hibana, um was on the flight with his two kids and his wife, Janine, and, um, and Amanda from CNN was sat in front of me, nice. ma- made a mate. She's wicked woman. Um, and we were chatting about the fact that I always, as a player, packed my boots in my hand luggage. It was basically... We were taught as youngsters, and then it became a kind of thing that we had to do so that if your luggage didn't turn up... You had your boots and your gum shield. I didn't wear um, contacts, but the girls needed spares of those. Yeah. Which kind of happens when you end up on really crap flights to really random places. Um, So, yeah, anyway, I was talking about that on the plane. And Brian went, oh, we never did that. And I was like, well, lucky. I've got my dress in there um, up, up the top rather than underneath. And we arrived and we'd been flown with priority boarding so our bag should have come out and, and it was a bit strange because nothing appeared for ages Brian had got I mean his nine million bags um everyone else had got all of their bags and then all of a sudden a bag that looked like ours started coming around and Simone got it off the um I was going to call it a travelator whatever the bag thing is carousel carousel and it wasn't ours it was exactly the same as our bag but it wasn't our bag oh wow um and thank the lord there was a name tag on the top of the bag so and on it had a mobile phone number but the, n- the mobile phone number and the name was different to the name that checked it in but i thought you know what we'll give it a whirl we'll ring it there was a guy on the end of the phone called matt i think i think that was his name um on the m3 and matt Whoa. on the m3 had told me that it was his sister that had borrowed the bag and she was in berlin which I told him that I knew because I had it. And he was like, oh, he was really concerned that he wasn't going to get his bag back. I was like, right, I'm actually in Berlin and <laughs> I want my own bag back. They'd picked up our bag thinking that it was theirs. I'm not
2: being funny, but like they warn you to make sure that it's your bag.
1: Oh, my God. Honestly, I I then kind of I did the like jokey laugh. Ha ha ha. Anyway, we managed to track down these people. They got off, They got on a bus. They were leaving the airport. They got off the airport bus, came back in, and we met and swapped. Um, and the guy, they were both probably comfortably nearly six foot, um, probably a completely different age range um, to us. I don't feel like they would have had in their luggage the same stuff that Simone and I needed for our um, black tie events. But um, we did get our bags back. But I couldn't believe it. I, I've never... I've never knew that that was a thing that that actually happened and it did. And thank Idiot. God that man put his mobile phone number on there because <laughs> if he hadn't my mobile phone wasn't my number wasn't on my bag. Well
2: now you've learned to make sure that yours is on your bag, Danielle. I know.
1: So of all of the things that I did that weekend, of all of the amazing people um, that I met, I did an awesome event at She's, with She's Mercedes um, and ended up on the panel, all a bit random, loads of flights cancelled and Charlie from Laura's was like, please, can you help us out? He rang me and was like, um, I've got some bad news and I was like, oh no, they've, like I don't have a ticket. Anyway, he was like, no, 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 I want you to talk, um, which was a bit surreal considering um, you had the likes of Daley Thompson and Michael Johnson and Jess Ennis Hill and um uh, yeah quite a quite a few Sean Fitzpatrick quite a few sporting names um, talking yeah but um was awesome did a bit ice hockey
2: yeah I saw that Um, I was a little bit concerned about that I thought if anyone's going to injure themselves doing this it's going to be you
1: I know but I put on my brave pants and decided that actually um you know what I'm gonna i'm gonna try and i i was had the ultimate fear and there's not many things i do now that give me a lot of fear that did but i overcame it and then became really competitive decided i wanted to be able to skid and stop and create you know that like across the eyes yeah i tried doing it and that's when i nearly got injured so i started to do it to show off in front of um cat and eddie from Laureus. um i was imagine, on video
2: i'd imagine that um a lot of people who do that in ice hockey have probably trained for a few years before attempting (laughs) to do those slide stops
1: yeah but i I just thought it was really cool so i thought well i'll give it a go i obviously didn't realize that you nearly snapped your mcl doing it so
2: (laughs) Um, anyway i um i've got something to tell you i'm not sure how impressed you're going to be with this well so i today i've done a bit of a a nollie and i've gone and been a guest on another podcast i've been on the um
1: the... absolute two-timer
2: mate that's not the bit you're not going to be happy about um i so i was on the tuesday club podcast which is with kyle reese who is an actor he's in outlander on amazon and sean holly obviously the uh housewives favorite former ospreys coach uh, now tv pundit and one of the things that we discussed was the list
1: Oh no 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 no. <laughs> yeah. So why why are you showing off in front of friends that that's that no. Well I wasn't
2: showing off, but I tweeted about it on Valentine's Day and then I didn't put it out there. And who were
1: the two Yeah, who were the two people that said don't do it?
2: Uh, don't remember.
1: Two of your closest friends, myself Lowry, and Lori.
2: And like and so, what? Like, you know,
1: well, you've made your bed You might now, be mate. standing
2: between me and happiness by not letting me share the list. So,
1: no, I'm not. I, I, happiness for everyone else, heartbreak for you. Okay. But anyway,
2: <laughs> can we talk about some rugby?
1: Yeah, we spoke about lots of other things. Um, but to be honest. There's a few games. Well, one of them was cancelled because of yeah. the coronavirus. Wow. You know what? I wonder... That's quite serious. Uh, well, it's Five people serious.
2: Are dying now. And I wonder what impact that's going to have on um, like, the rest of the Italy games because their game next weekend is a home game. So... Oh, actually, no, it's not. But the last weekend, they've got England in Rome, haven't they? So um, that wasn't a decision
1: the, the women made women are somewhere by... else.
2: That wasn't a decision made by the Six Nations. It's really important to note that. That was actually a decision that was made by the kind of locality that all sporting events were cancelled. So it'll be interesting to see whether they like, decide they're going to move the venue and play the game in England they're instead gonna or something.
1: No, they, they won't play in England, but they're going to have to move it. Um, Look, it's a different is... region to Rome, so Rome isn't Rome wasn't affected. Hence, why the men's went ahead. Um, the women are playing outside in a different region. But I can't the issue tell you at where, the moment but... is that
2: they can't contain the virus in Italy. So, yeah. you know, well, runaway virus. Watch
1: this space. I so heard a stat earlier Scotland... that
2: that sixty six percent of people are going to get coronavirus. Really? Yeah, apparently. But you're only like at risk if you are. If you have a compromised immune system.
1: Oh, well, you're a mess, mate. I know. Every time I ring you, every time I ring you, injured or ill.
2: I feel like I'm Broke, over the flu twisted,
1: now. Twisted, oh, twisted. <laughs> thank God. Thank God. <laughs> <I> know, <laughs>
0: anyway. Ill. Yeah. All
1: right. Um, Italy, Scotland, women cancelled. Italy, Scotland, men. Hmm. Wow. Uh. Probably. I don't know. You know what? Stuart Hogg scored a, a wicked try. Um, Kept
2: both hands on it.
1: Kept yeah, it. Yeah, he did.
2: Tucked as tightly to his body as he yeah. could.
1: As a as a detail before, so Connor um, had shanked the ball. It got moved. Um, it got shifted from Hastings to Hogg and uh, it was Negri that he, he absolutely um, blitzed, And um, I think it's Morrissey the 13, um, if you look at the detail of what Stuart Hogg does is unbelievable, he's not looking at the he's looking <laughs> at his support players he's got the ball in two hands, he pumps the ball, as he does that and Morrissey turns his back, he knows he's, he's then got the inside shoulder of, of him to attack and he's also too quick for Negri so he gets through the gap he then checks and and as as a full as a fullback covering a cross, it's all kind of it's all a bit weird. But you basically anticipate uh, that player is running at that speed and that is where I can hit them. And the best fullbacks can can work that out in their head without thinking about it. They just do it. But and you can see Hayward comes across, brilliant line. He's there, but there's a ever so slight step and check that um, Hog does, and then he reaccelerates um, away. And Hayward gets absolutely done. And it like absolutely brilliant. And I think anyone that is talking about the debate of players playing in between Six Nations games, probably Stuart Hogg is a good example of he did exactly the same against Gloucester and going back and playing for Exeter has clearly had a positive effect in terms of, you know, keeping him in the game, keeping him keeping him robust. And yeah, it's a long tournament, but actually giving them the confidence to go and do that, which I think was awesome.
2: But then I guess, you know, he went and played for Exeter, scored a try that day, played well. But if he'd got injured, then we'd never see anybody do that ever again. So
1: it's obviously a high risk, high
2: reward. Yeah, but
1: talking about high risk, I tell you what, Italy... I don't understand why they play so deep. In the first half, they were playing at the line. The passers were beating the edge defender. They were getting in behind. Once, they, As soon as they get in behind, they're offloading. They're, they're, they're absolutely like... They, and against France a couple of weeks ago, they, they just tore them apart. But they just play in the second half. They just play so deep. And if they're going to kick... Um, Tommaso Allen sits so... He's it, about 15 metres from the yeah. breakdown. Canna as the other playmaker, isn't an option. So as a, back, as a backfield, as a fullback, all I'm looking at continually is, where are we vulnerable in our frontline defence? I need to make sure I'm covering that. What are the kickers and what are the kicking threats so that I can cover that? And... It's so obvious where the ball is going. It's so obvious. That's why it's so easy to field the ball on the full. And there's no kick chase. It's like into this no man's land of making it super easy for counter attack. It's really, really odd because they do some great stuff. But then they go into this deep pull out the back pull round try and play but if you are going to play deep and round the back and exeter are a really good example of play out the back play out the back and you end up thinking god you they've gone 25 meters backwards but what they do do is then the edge attacker hits on at a huge amount of pace and then you've beaten the edge edge defender i just i just find and and when people talk about like lack of flair and lack of ability to play I, that has to be improved by the coaches They have to change what they're doing And I don't understand But then understand. I think this
2: is the issue at the moment for Italy This isn't the coaching ticket that they thought they were going to have for this Six Nations They look incredibly aimless And that has been You know They're not a bad side, there's lots of talented players We know how much improved Zebra and Treviso are in the Pro 14 They are consistently Winning games now where Three years ago they might get one win a season Um And obviously, this Six Nations, their expectation was that Rob Howley would be the head coach there. There's obviously had to be a lot of last-minute rejigging because of um, what's gone on off-field with him. So, perhaps expectation wouldn't have been the highest for this Six Nations. But it does mean that, again, you kind of feel that they're not perhaps progressing where they should be. And it's another year where... Italy are again bottom of the table and that game very much cemented them as the wooden spoon winners, didn't
1: it? Yeah, I just feel like it's a shame because I feel like they've done some really great stuff. I like, I've seen Benetton's games. I haven't seen much of Zebra, but I've seen Benetton play and beat teams and play well and play good rugby and good style of rugby. It's very Italian and I love that. But I just feel like that, I don't know, maybe they need, maybe instead of the, just the Italian fire service, woman needs to step in. Sort well, mate,
2: out. You're putting your hand up. I, I await the call for you. Right, let's wow. move on. Wales, France, Saturday afternoon in Cardiff. I was there. Um, with your dad? With my old man.
1: Did he behave? Um, you
2: are in a bit hospo. He um, is in the doghouse because he's lost his hat. <gasps> yeah, so Karen Which Jones... hat? I don't even know. When I'm saying oh, I don't know what hat. Is this a special so, hat? Well, it's his. he's got a Napa Puri... Woolly hat that mum bought him, I believe, in Edinburgh when they were up there. What's
1: Napa Puri?
2: It's a brand. It's a a clothing brand. And um, he's lost his hat and my mum is raging about it. I think...
1: I mean, he does need a hat. He doesn't have loads of hair, does he? He doesn't.
2: He doesn't. He also, basically... We were in Cardiff Athletic Club after the game, um, chatting to a few friends and my auntie and uncle. And Nick Jones realised that he'd reached his limit and it was time for him to go home. And he went and rang my mum to see if she'd come and get us because she'd already offered earlier in the day. But he didn't tell me that. And then he came back in and said, your mum's going to come and get us, which I assumed he meant finish your drink and we'll go out and like meet her somewhere normally we walk up to the end of Dumbles Road. So I'm stood there chatting. Next minute my phone rings. My mum's like, Get outside! It's Carnage out here and she was on Westgate Street, which obviously at that point, probably oh, wow. three hours post match, was absolutely chock a block. No. So she's there waiting in the car. I'm trying to convince my dad to put his coat on, get outside. Um yeah, obviously he then had to say goodbye to everyone in the club um so yeah he was not, he was not in including the
1: uncle that you can't not call uncle
2: no i find it real. it's i know it sounds like i know you're the same but it's one of these things i've got lots of aunties and uncles one my mum and dad are both the youngest of six children so wow. yeah i've got lots of aunties and uncles i cannot call they're any actually, of them actually
1: are they actually your auntie and uncle though then because i'm an auntie and uncle to dion's kids but i'm not her no, best mate
2: My mum and dad have got five brothers and sisters each. So I've got lots of actual biological aunties and uncles who... Oh I agree, I know. Um, I cannot... So if I'm in Cardiff Athletic Club, I'll walk in and I'll, you know, be looking for my Uncle Martin. And I'm obviously a grown woman and I cannot say to somebody, have you seen Martin? I have to say, have you seen my Uncle Martin? Because I can't even say it like not in his presence. It like honestly makes me uncomfortable. So yeah,
1: yeah. I I'm feeling you. I went and stayed with my uncle and auntie in uh, over Christmas and uh, oh, over New Year, and I I find it really odd. If um, yeah, no, can't do it. Can't do it. Anyway, um, in terms of the rugby, what was the atmosphere like? Was it good?
2: Amazing. The French are absolutely fantastic. Um, they always. Visit In their droves Um, On Friday evening I'd popped into town after work And this big group of um, Middle aged Frenchmen were pestering The security guard in St David's 2 Shopping centre Where is Gareth Edwards, where is Gareth Edwards And you could see he was so confused Um, But They basically, there's a statue Of Sir Gareth in the other Part of the shopping centre Which is what they meant So I sent them on their merry way To go and have their photos taken by the bronze hope, Gareth Edwards.
1: Um, I hope you told them in French. Tu dois.
2: I actually did. Uh, oh, nice. I know. Um, they work. were very impressed. Um, so, yeah, they just, they're just they great fun, and there were a lot of them there. And do you know what? I Obviously, you don't want your team to lose, um, but I can take Wales losing to France more than I can take them losing to probably any other side because... You want to see the French at the top table of international rugby again. You want, you know, France need to be in form, playing well, winning games when it comes to hosting a World Cup. We know how important it is for the hosts to be performing well. And you kind of, you think that this side is certainly on at the ascendancy. They're a young side who are growing um, mate I reckon French you're just fans. making
1: excuses Oh no but like <laughs> the,
2: Oh wait when it comes to the game Like that's something else But the French fans were, were like I haven't seen them for quite a few years in Cardiff And I've been over to Paris for a few games as well And it the French fans just looked happier Seemed happier And that was pretty cool Well yeah the cool. team are winning
1: mate Yeah That's and, winning and, and you know what I think that in terms of confidence There's obviously a lot of confidence off the field But like the confidence of on early like really early five meter line to send, say right end to mat stand up take the kick take the three points when a lot of people have been kicking to line and yeah. that type of stuff in that environment early doors him slotting that kick i think was probably one of the differences and also that early try yeah it, i think what, what i think the difference
2: field was um matt carley and his officiating um <laughs> and not being able to spot the knockdown and how deliberate it was on
1: the, uh, at, the, uh, at the assistant referee. Um, but, you know, I think there's loads of talk about Ensmack, and, you know what, well, he was brilliant and he he had this kind of air about him. They were talking about him in the um, commentary about he just didn't even have a sweat um, on his brow. And yeah. I, but but actually, it's because he has a world-class nine yeah. and Dupont is just, I think, a class above like all of the nines at the moment and a lot of other players. And for such a young player, he is... He his influence of releasing pressure for his ten and for his team is wonderful. I, yeah. I just think it's awesome. Um, I think Fiku being on the wing shows exactly what wingers should be doing and looking to do. Yeah. Um, I know when I played when I, my last season um, with England, um, when they put me onto the wing, I think I I think basically I did it because I got bored. But I, um, but Scott um, Beeman would regularly say to Abby and the other wingers like Nolly's getting kind of i think at one point i was averaging around about 25 to 28 touches of the ball in a game which is it's like is a, is a huge amount yeah. um but because i would just constantly be off my wing looking for work looking yeah. to add add value to the attack um whether that's encounter wh- whatever it is and fiki was a great example of having the skills and then it was followed up by jj the next day um but I you think... know what, I thought we
2: were on um, the side that Josh Adams was on um, and he was incredibly busy again. And I I think that um, he's his work rate is certainly showing up George North on the other wing. Obviously, George North's injury, we hope that he's back from that and hope that it there are, aren't any kind of lasting effects. We know that it's not the first time he's had a really awful concussion and I was pretty much... Um, in front of where that happened. It looked awful. Uh, But having said that, he just isn't looking particularly effective for Wales at the moment. And there are, you know, increasing... It's not physical
1: enough, mate. He's not, he's just not, in terms of his carry, he's a big boy. And in terms of his carries, in terms of his collisions, I just don't feel like he's he's doing the damage that he could do and has done in the past. But um, just going on a bit of other bad form I the, the two scrums the two reset scrums before half time one they didn't take the points um, maybe a little bit silly I don't know um, but two the decision making from Fallatau, who I think is a magnificent player haven't seen him at his best obviously he's been out a lot with injury but he's been quietly going about his business each of the rounds
0: and yeah.
1: um, France had defended that so badly. So Fiku came in from the wing to go onto the flank because they'd had a player in the, it put in the bin. He goes to seven. He then gets a call from the coaches to put him to eight, which I don't agree with. Why would you not put your quickest player on the edge so that he can get out as yeah. quickly as possible? It's not like he's a small seven, to, a winger, so it's not like he's going to get necessarily run over. He Maybe can, they were concerned gonna look, he
2: was going to do with Johnny May. Oh
1: come on <laughs> and bind onto, onto his ankle, onto his Achilles. Um yeah, and and so Vacatawa had also defended inside the post. So you had half of the pitch, half the pitch width, with um two Welsh players and so Gareth Davies trying to be all kind of like cute about going onto the left hand side of the scrum to keep DuPont there. And then he comes, turns too late, yeah. and Falatel just picks and goes straight into Vakatawa, and then it becomes his pick and go fest, and then another scrum. But France then decide to defend it properly, and they don't, and then obviously cause, <clears throat> excuse me, cause a knock on. I just, it, it, to me, I'm like, that isn't good enough. And I don't understand, like, I, I, what is going through those players' minds? Yeah. I can't, I, when you see so much space, what, i don't know i'd love it i'd be
2: chomping at the bit it's certainly a loss that wales will rue and you can imagine that as they reviewed it over the past 48 hours the players will be it's not that it was a game that got away from them they absolutely threw that game away
1: yeah well the i think in terms of the um the intercept try from Entomac. Obviously, they just scored, got the ball back. Um, brilliant held up from um, Bigger in the midfield. So then they get a scrum. They do a set piece. They play to one edge. They hit it up hard with Hadley Parks. He gets over the game. line, sucks in the defence. They shift it. They've got a three-on-one on the edge. full back to beat and nine coming across. And... Tompkins just has to let it go early. He yeah. just he, he's just caught in two minds. Entomac, his body language is only ever going for the intercept. Yeah. He's not going to try and defend it because he's completely squared up. Um, so yeah, it was a bit. It was a real shame because that's a massive momentum shift. In terms, I was of quite
2: impressed though to see um, a lot of Welsh fans after the game. I know back in the day, James Hook used to. There'd be a number of intercepts over the years that he's thrown and been hammered for. But I was quite buoyed by seeing how many Welsh fans were impressed by Tompkins and how he was the most potent threat in attack that Wales had on the day. So
1: Yeah, I think he's just he's just raw at an international level. And the problem is, is some of the mistakes he makes are game changing. Yeah. But some but then at the same time he was the one that put the kick along the touchline that gave him the line out, got the turnover and then they scored so actually he kind of countered it with by setting up another try I I think he's a great I think he's a great player for Wales um I still think that England should have snapped him up but um it's just I suppose what's quite nice is I'm hoping that Pivak just allows him and by the sounds of things the Welsh um Welsh community of support there. Their understanding that it's a new kind of group and not to be too hard on them because there are going to be mistakes. Yeah. And you know what? The whole yellow card, knock on debate, I think those types of things could go either way. What I was super impressed with was the fact that the officials just got on with it and just made a decision because they, they could have looked at that for 10 minutes and still not really understood. Hence why all of the debates are still happening about what, ha- what was it. But they just went with a decision. And I think that's issue
2: was that that happened, and then Carly's reversal um, at the scrum at the end. Yeah,
1: and but and, and you know what? You look at Bamba and you go right. Yeah, he had like his body angle is that, but front. Uh, but the Welsh pack break up so easily. Now they've done their damage. They've done the hard work. They've got the yellow card. They forced Bamba to come onto the field. So therefore, why are they not staying as squ- as square and as tight as a unit as possible? to emphasise that he's not a very good scrummager rather than going all like hell for leather, not working together and then allowing some kind of misinterpretation from the referee. Like when there's loads and loads of movement in the scrum, the referee, it's really hard to, like there's so many different contributing factors. And I feel there that Wales missed a trick in terms of just resetting, going, right, let's build He's fresh on, irrelevant of whether he's a good scrummager or not. He is fresh onto the park, so therefore he's going to bring something totally different that we might not know about. So just focus on us, and they and by the looks, things they didn't. They got split, and then the penalty went against them.
2: Well, France march on, and the Grand Slam is still on for them. A very quick word on Wales France women, which is on Sunday, fifty uh, nil at
1: Cardiff <laughs> yeah, Park. Yeah, I've not seen that game. Um, Yeah, I've not been able to to catch up on that one. Um, It was pretty physical. I was going to say it was a bit of a physical one, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, very much so. And I think nothing, perhaps, is a greater metaphor for that than Sue Anna Lee Crap coming off the field with two black eyes. Oh, wow. Yeah, so they were bumped and bruised. She was really positive post-match, which um, I think is quite interesting. There were a number of changes to the side beforehand, which there obviously were reasons for those. They weren't injuries um but they seem odd from the outside looking in so you know it'd be interesting to see if that's because of a longer term plan or what but um yeah
0: interesting life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much like unexpected medical costs that's why united healthcare provides health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs learn more at uh1.com They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash Um Right,
2: Sunday, we were both at Twickenham. Um,
0: yeah. did You, you see... skulking in
1: car parks, me, bigging it up in the hospitality with um, Martin Corey. What it's a, a th- nice guy. Different Very lives cool. we lead
2: different lives we lead um, did you expect that on Sunday
1: um, not really Johnny Sexton probably had one of his worst games in a long time um, I, I think in terms of Eddie's selection he went he went full on with experience didn't he yeah. um, uh, which I don't I still don't really agree with I think yeah it's like they've now kept the championship alive and that type of thing but I don't know. He's had a debate with some other ex-players, and it's it's interesting because is he looking at is he looking at this? You know, this is a four-year cycle that's at the beginning of, and is he missing an opportunity to see other players for the sake of the short-term gains of certain games? And well, I just...
2: yeah, but you have to look at it from a Eddie's point of view he's not at the start of a four-year cycle his england contract only runs until the end of 2021 so he needs to win games to get his contract extended no but it is yeah, but if you surely, about it in a basic sense
1: yeah but but then i don't know there is there's more to it isn't there I, but then saying that i think from from england's perspective Good set piece, good dominance at the breakdown I mean Ireland didn't even compete at some of the set, set piece but they didn't really compete at the breakdown um, defensively the line speed just completely crushed all of the um, attack from, from Ireland um, and actually you know the kicking from Ireland was woeful which we've you don't expect from Sexton no. or from Murray. Um, they had 79% territory in the second Would half. Would you have
2: made halfback changes earlier than he made them? Would you have given 100%, 100%. the Shepherd Crook at halftime?
1: Um, yeah, because I think it needed a change. And the, the yeah. problem is, is, the way that John Cooney plays, and I know we are a fan of him, yeah. but he is similar to me in that, how i played in that it's quite a sparky player um and actually tries quite hard and takes people on a good running like good running threat and that type of thing and i think if you come on the come on the field and your team is losing by that much and you're kind of getting messages to say you need to turn it around it needs to change and you've only got what 20 minutes i think he got like you're gonna try too hard and i don't think he did but i just don't feel like he you could see the influence yeah by that point
2: he can't really affect the game it's You know,
1: England, yeah. And, you know, everyone is criticising Llama at the back. Yes, some of his positioning wasn't great. um, But also, so Ireland are always traditionally played, I'm going to go a bit nausea again because it's back three stuff and I love (laughs) it. Um, But they've always played with flat wingers, which means that you can keep good defensive width in the front line, but you ask a lot of your backfield coverage. Now, Llama is still relatively new from a international scene perspective but he's quick and he i I really rate him i think he's a great fullback however in that area of the field whenever i would defend in that space you can't cover the full field and especially in the in the split field so the breakdown in the middle i would always run with my with my nine because from a sweeping perspective you need the extra body there but you want your wingers up flat to cancel out the running threat now when, um I think it was George Ford's try, and he absolutely shanked it t- celebrating kicking into the... I think he drilled it into someone, like, into the crowd. It was hilarious. Um There was, you know, yes, like, Sexton had got back and that type of thing, but there shouldn't be that space available for yeah. them to kick into. Um And it, that's just... I don't know where... Looking back, I need to see where is Murray, what's happening. Um, you know, on the next try with Elliot Daly, superb dexterity to get the ball and put it down. Um, and uh, I think, you know, they've shoot in defence and then it's a matter of, you know, a, a race to the race to the ball. Um, Sockdale has to be better. He actually slows down and lets the ball bounce. Yeah. You have to try and go for that ball. And if you knock it back, and it goes and you know, unintentionally goes off the field, then, you know, it's a five metre scrum, but you've actually stopped the try. Yeah. And um, but he lets the ball bounce and Elliot Daly pounces on it like and wicked skill, but I just feel like that backfield stuff, like what is happening, because that's a that's a decision making thing, not necessarily a you know so I mean there were some tech I mean Sexton kind of fumbling it to himself a few times um, was a bit embarrassing. Is it
2: the worst you've ever seen Johnny Sexton play?
1: Um, No, I don't think so. But I think it was coupled with the fact that Murray didn't play well. Yeah. And, you know, when people talk about the amazing Island, those two were unstoppable as a half pairing. parent when they beat New Zealand. After that, they both got injured. Then they... Johnny was rushed back to play in the Six Nations with a knee injury. He played, didn't play that well. Murray came back a bit. They both hardly played for their um, provinces. And then they went off to the World Cup. And people talk about, and I was with Brian O'Driscoll last week. Um, I'll just pick up his name. Um, And, you know, and and Danny and Danny talked about, well, actually, yes, he would agree with Murray and Sexton being selected. The experience, you know, allowing a platform to play off I disagreed and said no John Cooney should start because it's against England you need to do something different but then Brian actually disagreed with me and said no 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 like Murray is world class he's won everything possible and yeah I get all of that I get the level of experience being important but at the same time they're not performing and I don't think John Cooney I mean I think he probably I think I think it was Shanks that was saying at the weekend. It's um, he probably needed to start in the first game. Yeah. Um, and maybe doing it at England at Twickenham maybe would have been hard. But how do you know? Yeah. How do you know how players are going to react until you give them that opportunity and that experience? But yeah. But anyway, Bono going into uh, camp didn't. Didn't work, did didn't, it? No, didn't. Unfortunately.
2: I'm trying to think of like another Irish singer that they could get in. Maybe like the girls from Bewitched or something. Yeah. Who knows? Wow. Um, Let's talk about the women. So the Red Roses were up in Donny, which they sold out about six weeks ago, uh, because there's only five thousand there. Um... (laughs) Yeah. Player of the match. First up, player of the match. Fleetow. well
1: no Bollinger player of the match so the actual player of the match as well from Sky Sports and nominated by the commentary team was Zoe Allcroft and actually both of them played well both of the back the back row put in a huge performance Zoe um, Zoe Allcroft Vicky Flea, Fleetwood um, and Sarah Hunter were outstanding um, and actually Zoe Allcroft played in the um, second row so Sarah Becker played in the back row <laughs> my point didn't go well well. But anyway, um, you know what? The England's first half blew Ireland away. I think they scored within the first couple of minutes. Um they lost brilliant
2: compete really early to injury as well. Yeah, which...
1: 20, 20 minutes. Um apparently I have checked in um, with a couple of girls that I know and she is okay. Um both her and Sene have been released from hospital. Um, but both are um, watching space in terms of future and making sure that they're all right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, not nice to see two players being stretched off and actually seeing someone like Lindsay Peake go off early um, had a massive effect considering what she does and has you know, brought to the team and brought to the game um, against Wales. I think that that was, that was big. But, yeah, I mean, England... Scoring within three minutes, um, superb. Like They absolutely blew Ireland off the park physically in terms of their set piece. Um, scrum, pushing Ireland off their own ball. Catch and drive line out was just basically running forward at times. And uh, the the try that they first scored, Sarah Hunter, um, she, great control at the back um, to score that one. Um, so, yeah, and, and the other side of it is... You're seeing England's physical dominance, but you're also seeing their fitness. You're seeing two people making a tackle, everyone getting back on their feet, competing for the ball, everyone on their feet, and their line speed Their defensive line speed Just completely killed Ireland's attack yeah. um, And then their one-on-one tackle England's one-on-one tackles 97% tackle success And I think with the amount of ball that Ireland had And the amount of territory That is a credit to, to England um, In terms of the work that they've been doing with Blaze um, And quite actually though, the
2: attitude Post-match, Sarah Hunter in her interview Was quite disappointed with the performance the, Yeah, for the, the second half, half course, but yeah
1: it? Yeah, second half was dire um, in terms of, like, you know what? I haven't spoken to Cleaner, who probably put, I think, one of the tackles of the tournament. She she stopped Sarah Byrne dead. And uh, not many people do no. that. So, hat tip to Cleaner. To um, and actually, she just said, we just didn't come out in the first half. And in the second half, they clearly had a, had a good conversation at halftime because in the second half, their, def- their defensive line speed, especially on the edge, they were coming up, getting in great defensive reads, shutting off England early um, and fronted up much better. Um, and England, I don't know, their, their handling was poor. It looked pretty, it was really disjointed. They, the conditions were mental One of Skaz's kicks just basically Bowed away from the From the upright. Um What I want to know is Katie, Daly McLean was asked to hold Like Skaz had asked her to hold the ball But Katie was making Skaz laugh at one point And I reckon it's because they were talking about Who was going to get the Trihals water bottle At I the end of the tournament was. I
2: think it's quite yeah. clear that that's obviously got in their heads And you know I just hope that it's not going to drive a wedge Between the two of them Um <laughs>
1: Yeah. To be fair, there's, you know, um, a little bit of a shout out to Ditaisha Harper, who got her first cap, came on in the front row. Um, good to see someone um, getting that opportunity and uh, and putting a club form into into England's colours. Um Sarah McKenna back in the starting shirt at fullback. Really nice couple of touches. Put Abby Dow away for the first try. Scored a great try herself. Um, and Jess Breach, I think probably got was more involved in the game than I've seen her yeah. in terms of where she's popping up. And and that's what you want to see. You know, we talked about Gail Fico coming off the wing, being that centre, being being okay with. You know, that's his position normally, so you'd expect that. But for, for Jess. You know, she is a speedster. She is finishing for fun. But at the same time, popping up in the middle of the field adds that extra defender, adds an extra attacker. So, yeah, that was
2: Have good. How many tries has um, she got
1: now? Uh, uh, she's got 53 in four caps. <laughs> <laughs>
2: what did you finish um, on? Pardon? How many did you finish on?
1: 47. Um, I think she's actually quite close to that because she scored five in her first game and I think six in the second game. So, yeah, she's not been doing too badly. Um, but, yeah, I think the other the other side of it for me is that... So, there's a real battle at Scrum Half. So, Leanne Riley started the game um, with Mohan, having, having not been involved against Scotland. Um, real chirpy... Lots of work in defence, organising, good passing, just got like good go forward, you know, good organisation. Hunt comes off the bench and she's real sparky, good pass, sets up one of the tries by a footwork, um, takes a quick tap and... To be fair, Poppy Cleo put in this great pass. Zoe, Zoe Harrison butchered it. I actually text Poppy, and she was like, "I'm so pleased that the camera didn't come onto my face because apparently <laughs> she was really angry because um, it would have been a brilliant try." But it, I, what I find hard is. There's some brilliant competition in positions at the moment. And, you know, the nine shirt, I think the, the battle between Lara Davies and Amy Cocaine at Hooker, I think that the back row and how that looks. I think the se- second row is a bit more set because Abby Scott is injured at the moment. Um, you know, Amber Reed, I think Neat deserves a massive shout out. I think that's one of her best performances in a long time um in terms of her carries in terms of her work rate a defensive shift um so it's good to see her so i'm saying this because england have they're not building they're not crochet there's no crescendo to this tournament apart from italy away which yeah, yeah is a good game but you imagine those players that they're, they're playing out of their skins they're being they're getting the opportunity to you know put their head forward like just a, a nudge ahead above the other opposition opposition from England to be selected and then they don't get included because it's Wales and then it's Italy and I just feel like and that's why I think the men's tournament is great because it goes on that and I know world rankings is a bit of a difficult one to discuss because there are strange ones with that but if it was the other way around I think if the women's tournament did do something different then you know That's exciting for players. But then
2: I think the difficulty with that is that the men's tournament is always going to be more competitive. We are now in a situation where the women's tournament, it's not even a case of two tiers. England and France are so far... Are you going to kick us out of the
1: tournament as well? I mean, some of the stuff. I mean, you know what? And we can talk about it. Let's talk about it now, because I'm getting really annoyed about all the negative press towards a women's game. And you know what? The RFU are definitely not perfect, but they get so much slung at them for actually finally being professional, actually allowing the England players to be good. And now they're getting criticised because we're too good. We've always I been
2: also think we've good. got this issue, something that you and I have discussed at great length over the phone in the past week. I am so bored of reading negative news stories about the women's Six Nations. And, yeah, of course, there are massive disparities between the men's and women's games, and these are things that we want to address, want to improve, unions are working to do it. But I feel like every story I read is a negative story about the tournament. And, actually, I don't think that's helping anyone. I don't think it's building anything. I think that there are things... You my
1: biggest my biggest bugbear though is and I, 10 years ago, I worked for the RFU in the performance department. I remember my second ever meeting um, I went in and we were talking through the calendar for the year and at the time there was um, senior divisional and under 18 divisional. So now they don't have that, they've just got more, there's more emphasis on county and there's no senior stuff, it's just well there is county seniors but there was the main focus is um, the pathway which is under 18s and I said, Well why why are they up in Birmingham playing when we're down in London? I said, Surely there were four regions and that's four wo- that's that's four women's teams. That is all of the under eighteens. Like surely we want those players to be watching England women. You know, that's a good few hundred yeah. people, which actually would have made a big difference to the crowds back in the, that day. So then they said, Oh well no, because it you know, no we can't the schedule's it's all been done, it's all been done. And I remember saying, but it's it's when I say hours, it's the RFU or RFUW's calendar. Change it, yeah. Change what you're expecting from these from from the players. Anyway, it really annoyed me because I just thought, you know what, the people we're trying to inspire aren't getting inspired because they're playing their own rugby, but in a completely different place. Yeah. Fast forward ten years, I. Um, obviously through my job with the Centre of Excellence have been invited to go along to watch the county festivals. Unfortunately, I couldn't go on Sunday because I was working at uh, um, Twickenham. Twickenham. Um, I couldn't obviously then go to Doncaster to support the women either um, and do anything up there. Um, But... The England women kicked off at 12.45 and I thought, you know what, I hope they've been sensible. They've put early kick off, they get all of the girls into clubhouse or they go slightly later. All of the girls in the clubhouse, all of them around the country, every single England, uh, under 18 county player gets the opportunity to sit with people and talk about the England women. Yeah. Listen to them, watch them, have a half-time chat, whether it's a players there or um ex-player or a coach is delivering it getting them to see and understand what is the top level of the game No, no, they kicked off at one
2: yeah
1: and I just feel with all of the things that's happening we are trying to create a legacy for young players to have the opportunity to create role models to and un- to to aspire to be certain people and we are not allowing them to do that because we are not allowing them to watch or support the game. And I just feel like it's it's absolute madness. And, you know, there were lots of things being discussed at the moment, but there seems to be no joined up thinking with lots of different components. Yeah. And I just, it's, these are basic things. Putting three games to kick off at the same time in week one is just like unforgivable and it's it doesn't need to happen so i think everybody needs to have a little look they need to sit down and say right what are the fundamentals here what are we trying to do and instead of the media poking and prodding holes in all sorts of different areas let's just all kind of work together and say right from my area this is where we can improve from my area this is where we can improve and then actually can combine it um because that way, we can move the game forward. And instead of having the same conversation that I had 10 years ago, it continues in another 10 years. We can actually change something. Well said. Right. Rant over!
2: <clears throat> Rant over. Grr. Let's wrap this up because we have been going for a long time.
1: Um... Well, talk about county stuff. One of the people that also couldn't go to the England game was Kate Hallett, because she coaches Berkshire um, under-18 girls, and um, she was actually against Steph Neville, who um, coaches buckingham both waspies and she has uh, absolutely blown my brain she has got three perfect predictions out of nine games on match pint and she tops That's the mad. league she tops the round gets herself a water bowl, and she
2: tops the league wow Mate, you and i are top of the legends league we are one and two in the legends
1: i know i know the bigger story. So there all is? about the girls this week. What on all earth? About the girls. What
2: on earth is David Flatman predicting?
1: <laughs> I do think he might have missed a couple of the rounds, yeah, so I do I feel like so. he hasn't quite done all of the games. Um but yeah, massive shout out to Kate and uh, everyone else. We're over solidly over three hundred people on our league now, which is really good. Yeah, it's still um, time to get involved, still time to go and get your You tickets. know what is good? What? You know what is good? Because Kate Hallett has won, we don't have to pay postage. I can take her, her water bottle. Dreamy. Yeah, look
2: after the pennies and all that. Well done. Right, on that note, see you next week. Bye.
0: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.